0: better and longer with the fitness show hosted by fitness expert author and tv personality fitz kohler she'll tell you why diets are dumb supplements are snake oil and the truth about how you can earn a lean hard pain-free and athletic body now for our favorite bossy blonde fitz kohler
1: Hi team, I'm Fitz Kohler, your fitness expert from Fitness.com, and welcome to The Fitness Show. So today I'm going to talk about the Standing Stone Half Marathon in 5K in Pennsylvania. It was inaugural, but I've got a couple things to cover before I get there. Number one being, I keep seeing folks saying that they are not strength training. And I see it in real life amongst regular people that are, I don't know, going for walks every day, all day, and that's all they do and expect their whole body to be transformed. And then within my own Hottie Body Fitness Challenge group on Facebook, I see people that have been with me a long time, and they're using the exact formula for weight loss and losing weight, and they're doing the cardio, but oh my gosh. They're like, I'm still not committed to the strength training. Folks, you must commit to the strength training. Strength training is for everybody, not bodybuilders or not only bodybuilders. Strength training is for everybody. Strength training not only is what gives you those Lean, hard curves people love and want. I mean, come on. That's what we want. It's not just to have a body that's skinny. Skinny, the people in the Holocaust, those poor, starving people were skinny. That's not what we're after. We are after fit bodies, healthy bodies that can do great things, that can take us far places, that are resilient to injury and resist pain. That's what strength training is all about. It's about you being capable, you being strong, you being powerful, you looking the part, because hello, the curves, the hard curves, is, is what makes people say, wow. And so I just, I just posted a video in my group, and I did this stupid thing, and I flexed my muscle, and I said, look at these muscles, <laughs> which is so, so dorky, but the thing is, is I can refer to my body because I I get the feedback on my body, right, is the thing people love about my body or like about it is that I have curvy muscles. If I was just this little scrawny, quote-unquote, skinny girl, who cares? Who cares? You know, the things people want to see on me are round shoulders, bulbous biceps, you know, little cuts in the back of my arms where the triceps. That's where people go, ooh, wow, you work out. Yes. I don't spend most of my time in the gym on the treadmill. I don't spend it on the elliptical. Now mind you, I get on those things because I want my heart and my lungs to be super strong and yeah I like to burn some calories too. But I know it to be true that my body will only look great if I hit it hard in the weight room or you know I'm doing free body exercises or resistance bands. That's what matters. So I don't care what your excuses are. They're all stupid, dumb, and lame combined. Yes, I'm name-calling. Your your excuses are pathetic and awful and embarrassing, so stop making them. Strength chain. You do not have to do deadlift with 600 pounds on your back or on your front if you're deadlifting. But you do have to do something. Do something that challenges your body. Don't shy away from it. Don't make these lame excuses. Oh, I'm not going to do it because of this. Or, I'm going to lose weight and then start strength training. That's like saying, I'm going to brush my teeth and, you know, eventually I'll start flossing. No, you floss and brush together and the same thing goes. Every part of your week should include some strength training, some stretching, some cardio, some stability exercises, and healthy food. That's how you become a fit person. If you're leaving any of those pieces of the puzzle out, you'll never have the big picture. You just never, ever will. So, strength train. Get her done. Stop making excuses, or I'm gonna come over there. I'm gonna show up one day at your office. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be there in the window with my face smushed up against it, and both of my handprints. And I'm gonna be making an angry face. I'm gonna scare the bejesus out of you until you get it through your thick skull that you should be making muscles. Get it? Got it? Good. Okay, so we're, we're moving on from that. Lecture number one, or rant over. And then I wanted to tell you that I was caught up in a goat sex fiasco the other night that was of my own doing. So before we get to the race, we got to talk about the goat sex. So the problem with the goat sex is the goat sex leads to goat babies. That makes sense, right? So if you don't know this, I have good friends of mine, Cheryl and John, that own a farm and it's a love-only farm. There's no eating the animals or eating the animal products. It's just, they're, they're pets. They're a wonderful, fa- fabula- fabulous pets. And they named one of their goats after me. Born Valentine's Day. His name is Fitz, and it's a billy goat. And he's a Nigerian dwarf goat, I guess. And he's solid white, and he's beautiful, and he's sweet, and I see him a lot. So he loves me. He knows I'm his person, and he's my goat. And um, he's just amazing. But there's about 15 goats total. There's a donkey, a mule, a bunch of chickens, some ducks, and a cat, and a pig named Chester. And um, there's also one other... Well, there's several billy goats. The big billy goat is Rocky, and Rocky is a virile male. But then there's two other goats that have been, I guess, neutered, castrated. I don't know. They put these little bands around their testicles, and they wither away, and they're no longer able to impregnate the ladies, which is good for them because then they get to hang out with the ladies. But the billy goat pen is for Rocky and now Fitz because um, Fitz is a horny goat freak. So anyway, they're isolated so they don't impregnate everybody all the time and and worst of all, we don't want Fitz to get to his mother because apparently goats don't have any boundaries in that category and nobody wants that to happen. So. Anyways, I go over, I get home from Pennsylvania, and I go straight to see the goats in the evening, and um, I bring carrots, baby carrots, and some crackers. And I have them in a bag, a little plastic bag, and I have my keys in there and some off uh, bug bug repellent. And I go in, and the donkey and the mule are very enthusiastic about snacks. And the donkey is eaty, the mule is muley. Um, Her name is Scarlet, but nobody calls her that. We just call her Muley. So they're the first to want to get the snacks. So I'm giving them a bunch of carrots, and they're very, very happy about this. And Edie is very aggressive, the the donkey. So I have to hide the bag of snacks away from her, and I actually put them on top of the chicken coop so she can't get to them. And she just is (laughs) very enthusiastic about snacks. So I spend some time with them, and then I decide I'm going to go in the billy goat pen with Fitz and Rocky so I go in there and I bring them crackers because they don't like the carrots. And uh, Rocky comes up to me first and I start giving him crackers and he's nom 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 enjoying the crackers. And I go to give Fitz a cracker, Rocky gets angry and Rocky runs over and rams Fitz and he's a much bigger billy goat. So I have this situation here where I'm trying to give my love, my Fitz, a snack and Rocky's not having any of it, and Rocky's getting angrier and angrier. And also, both of these, well, yeah, both of them have been in, I guess the women have been in heat, these goat girls. Man, they are total teases. They come up to the fence where the billy goats are, and they just kind of rub their sexy goat bodies up against the fence. And Rocky's going crazy. He's all, meh, meh, just begging for it, just begging. And he does that little tongue thing, kind of like Silence of the Lambs and he's he's licking them through the fence and he's trying to nibble on their horns and it's very, very sad. Ladies, I'm sure we've all been around men who are like Rocky, but please, please. (laughs) He just howls for it. So Rocky's amped up on goat crack because he wants the goat sex and he also wants the goat crackers and he's he's really taking it out on Fitz, ramming him. So I just take the whole bag of um, crackers and my stuff, and I throw it over the fence just to get it away. And I figure the situation will calm down when I no longer have crackers on me. So I'm petting the goats, but Rocky is still irritated with fits. And then I turn around, and Chester, the pig, is a hundred pound pig. He's now digging in the bag, getting to the crackers, and I'm worried he's gonna eat my keys. So now I'm in a rush and I open up the Billy Goat pen and and it's just a little gate that doesn't even open very far, but I'm focused on Chester and the bag and Fitz slips out of the Billy Goat pen. So, damn it. And I shut the gate and I I grab the bag, but now I have to deal with Fitz and the problem with Fitz being out in the quote unquote general population is that now he's going to have sex with everybody and I'm going to be responsible for goat babies and that's no good. So, I'm... I grab him by the horn and I pull him, and there's a little manger shelter thing, and I pull Fitz in there, and I, I shut the gates, and I'm feeling very um, fancy that I'm I'm a capable farmer at this point. Look at me moving the goats around. I got the, I got the snacks and the keys from the pig, and things are going great. And I'm looking over the gate, taking a little picture of Fitz in in the little um, shelter. And he looks up at me and he literally just leaps up and out. He leaps out over this three and a half foot wooden gate. (sighs) Dang it. So now I'm like, oh, damn it. Now he's going to go. So I'm trying to grab him by the horns and pull him, but I can't get him back in the billy goat pen because Rocky's there and Rocky's aggressively ramming the gate. He's just, he's cracked up. It's, it's too much between the sexy goat ladies and the crackers, He just can't handle himself. So he's trying to get out, ramming the gate. I can't put Fitz in because he's there. And um, obviously it doesn't help to put him in that little shelter because he can leap out. So he starts trotting off into the forest. I'm like, wait, Fitz, wait! And I'm calling him like a dog. Sometimes he comes, this time he was not coming. So I go into this little barn area and I get a harness and I find a leash. Now, mind you, neither of these things are designed for goats. But I'm going to do my best here because I don't want him to go impregnate anybody. So I'm running through the woods and I put the harness over him, but it keeps getting stuck in his horns and he's ornery and he gets he gets out of the harness. So then I take this big um, leash and then I loop it and I put it around his neck and he just slides out of it. And I'm texting the owner, John, what do I do? Do you have any suggestions? I can't get Fitz back. He's going to go have sex with everybody, help. So I'm running around and the first person... <laughs> The first person, the first goat Fitz gets to is Alvin. Alvin's one of the uh, neutered goats, so Fitz jumps right on him. Apparently, uh, Fitz is a little flexible with his romantic interests, so he gets on Alvin, and Alvin's not happy about it, as you can imagine. And then there's a goat fight because Alvin's Alvin wants to fight Fitz. He says, "Mister, not today. I'm not interested." And Fitz wants some, so that happens. And then Fitz starts going after the baby goats and the mama goats. And and it's just, I'm running around chasing him, literally deterring goat sex. <laughs> this is me running, stop having sex with her, leave her alone. Chasing goats, preventing goat sex. And uh, it, was, it was great. It was really one of the finer points of my life, as you can imagine. And then John comes out and he goes... Why don't you just grab him by the horn? And I said, I tried, and I did, but I explained. So he just grabs him. He's very macho farm handler man, and um, he got Fitz back where he needed to be. But it was a very dramatic experience, and preventing goat sex is not something I had ever imagined I would be in charge of. But I think I put myself in that bad situation. Uh, but it was kind of fun. And then I went back, and I gave the donkey and the mule the rest of the crackers, and a little bit for the pig, and I went home. So, anyways, that's my adventure for the week that you need to know about. But, Standing Stone Half Marathon. So, I met the race director in February at a running conference, and I really like this guy. His name is Michael Thompson, and this is what he tells me. He says, I grew up in Huntingdon, Pennsylvania, which I didn't really know much about. Turns out it's this really small, charming beautiful town in the middle of the mountains in Pennsylvania, which I didn't even know Pennsylvania had lush mountains. So I'm learning things every day, apparently. But he says, I grew up there. I live in Philadelphia now, and I work with a race timer. Um, But I see runners from Huntingdon come through the other races all the time. And I thought, wouldn't it be nice for the Huntingdon runners to have a race of their own at home? And I also think if I can bring a race there, it would bring a nice economic impact to the community. And I thought, what a nice man. You know, I mean, there's really uh, some altruism in there. He was thinking of other people in his community and his love for his hometown. So he asked if I would host the race. And I admire that. I sure do, because as many of you folks know who's done any sort of races, some races are done really, really well, and then some have just... are a little disorganized, and they got a guy with a bullhorn. It's like nobody really cares. This guy really, really cares. So he booked me. I, I mean, he booked me in February or March, and um, he. It took him a long time to get the permits for this event because the people in the community, the council members, didn't really understand what he was doing. They had never had it before. So instead of giving him a permit six months before the race, they gave him the permits two months before the race, and he really only had a short time to promote it. But um, I I went and I decided for this race I would bring my son. I have a uh, voucher through one of my credit cards that I get an extra, an extra person can fly with me and I pay only the taxes and so I decided to bring my 12 year old son Parker which turned out to be an epic choice and uh, I took my daughter to Wisconsin with me a year and a half ago and that was a blast but this was his turn. And um, it was actually his first time on a plane, so uh, we made a big stink of it. Our first flight out of Gainesville to Atlanta, he got the wings, the little wing, the Delta wings, which was really nice. And then it was fun. We had to run to make our gate in our flight in Atlanta, so that was exciting for him. He got a little bit of everything. He got the whole flying experience over the course of this weekend, but we got to our Plane and as I as I boarded, the flight attendant was there, and I said, "Is it okay if he peeks in the cockpit?" This is his first time flying, and she says, "Yeah, hold on." And she leans in the cockpit and said, "Cockpit," and says, "Parker, you can come back." And they the pilots made such a big deal over him. Um, like the pilots, it was Troy Wilson and uh, John something. I wish I could remember their names offhand. I put them on an Instagram, but. They let Parker sit into in one of the pilot seats, and they let him press some buttons, and they told him all about the plane and how they fly it. It was really cute, and, you know, I'm sure many of you, if you have teenagers or kids, you feel like maybe they're less impressed by real things because they have so much access through technology, but Parker was really excited, and it was so nice to see him light up at the helm of a big jet, so... It was amazing. It was really, really nice. So um, that was fun. He got to enjoy the little TV in the back of the seat of our, our airplane. So that's fun when you can watch a movie. Oh, and he, what did he watch? He watched the secret. Um, what do they call it? secret heroes? It's a story about the the minority women who took a, who were working for NASA in the '50s and hidden hidden heroes, perhaps. Anyways, I thought it was a really cute ch- movie choice, which he loved. And that was a special opportunity. And then we landed in Detroit, and we had to make it from Concourse A to Concourse C in about ten minutes. And we ran. We ran so fast. We did some hardcore walking too. But it was actually really, really fun. And for a girl who travels alone all the time, it was such a luxury to have him with us. So we um, we got to our we got to State College Airport, which is a tiny airport affiliated with Penn State. University and so we're coming from a college town Gainesville, Florida with a teeny airport We had to go to a big airport then a big airport then another tiny airport So it was a long night flying but the race director picked us up and took us about an hour drive into Huntington and you know We wound through the mountains and we ran over a dead skunk and that was exciting And then we had to stop and swerve because there was another skunk running across the street So we were exposed to some things we don't have here in Florida but we stayed in a place called the Gage Mansion, and it's a bed and breakfast. It used to be, I guess, a big fancy mansion someone lived in, but uh, we got almost the entire third floor. And it's, it's the kind of old mansion that almost feels haunted. We thought perhaps it was haunted, but our, we had a suite, and there was a massive room with two queen beds, and then another room, and a sitting room, and then we had a pool table in our room. We literally had a pool table in our room, and I'm sure they gave me that room because Parker was coming with me, but it was fantastic. If you ever want to go and impress your kid, especially a boy kid, that was the way to do it. I really felt like, in a a good way, mother of the year at that point, cool mom, and um, we had fun. We went to sleep right away, but we woke up in the morning, played some pool, and here's the deal. I wanted to take him. I didn't really have to work until Saturday night, so I wanted to take him out to do something fun. And there's some lakes in the area, which I would have loved to take him to, but as I wake up and talk to my innkeeper, there is no Uber, because we're talking about small, small town. And not only is there no Uber, but there's no taxi service, because they had one cab driver, but he quit. That's what I was told. Oh, he quit, so we don't have one anymore. <sighs> so I take Parker. We ha- we're served homemade breakfast at the inn, which is lovely, and then um, we go walking through the town, and I thought perhaps we'd rent bikes. I thought that would be a nice, fun, active thing to do. But we ended up going into this little store and um, a little craft store. It was called Lori's Gifts, I think. And I'm looking around, Parker's roaming the store, and I end up talking to the shopkeeper and these two women, grown up women, that were shopping. And I say, you know, do you guys have any recommendations? I'm here with my son. And I tell them I wanted to go to the lake to do some paddle boarding, but there's no Uber or whatever. And I kid you not, one of the customers says, well, I have a second car you can borrow. (laughs) And I look at her and I say, I can't ask you to lend me your car. You don't even know me. She goes, oh, no, it would be my pleasure. It would be fine. She goes, but it's old. And I, I looked and I thought, seriously, I can't take her car. But then I thought, I can't look this gift horse in the mouth. So I said, well, okay. And, um, she and her sister-in-law drove to their home and they don't even live there. It's their vacation home, I guess. And 10 minutes later, they show up at the bed and breakfast with a 2005 BMW. Beautiful little car with a sunroof. And, uh, it was amazing. So Parker and I got in the car and we went out to Racetown Lake. I think it's called Seven Points Marina. But we rented paddle boards, and we had an absolute blast. It was so much fun, and I hope when you guys travel, you're looking for something outdoorsy and athletic to do. It was, it was gorgeous. You know, I do a lot of paddleboarding, and Florida has its own special charms. But to be out in the middle of actual mountains, green, lush mountains, and uh, oh, it was beautiful, it was so beautiful. So we had fun, and here's the thing: is I feel like this is epic adventure because paddleboarding itself is really fun to me. And Parker and I go out, I don't know, we're out for maybe 15, 20 minutes. And then he gets a cranky face. I was like, what? He goes, well, what do you want to do? I said, I think we're doing what we came to do. I think we are officially doing what we want to do. Oh, no. I was like, what is it you want to do? He goes, well, at camp we do four square on the paddleboards. We have fights. Do you want to fight? Do you want a paddle fight? He literally wanted to whack each other with the oars to see who could stay up on the paddleboard and who would knock each other in. I, I was dumbfounded. <laughs> I was like, Parker, I don't, I don't really want to do that. So he was a little bummed. But what a warped, you know, sense of what's really fun on a paddleboard. It sounds like at their summer camp they have a hell of a lot of fun, and apparently they do all sorts of things that are unusual on paddle boards but I think I disappointed him a little bit because I wasn't willing to sword fight with our paddles. What a lame mom I am but we did do uh, surfing of the boat waves that came by and we tried to do that on one foot and Susie Balance right here I was able to stay up. Parker fell in a few times which was actually perfect you know it was it was good for him he needed to be dunked in the water and <laughs> Shaking up a little bit, but we had a we had an absolute blast, and thank goodness for that lady offering up her vehicle because what a what a sweet thing to do and what a total charming small town thing to happen, right? We're just chatting in a store, and she loans me her car. So um, we went home, and I got I bought her a present. We bought her. Uh, there's a Tom Thomas Candle Shop next to our inn, owned by the same people. So we went and we bought her a massive jar full of the little candle crumbles that you can use in your warmer. Apparently it's a specialty item over there. But uh, wow. So Sharon Gillilam is the most lovely person in the world. That's her name. And I love this woman. She's just sweetie pie, car lending. And I asked her, I said, what did your husband, she said, Oh, yeah, my husband was pretty mad that I lunch in my car, but I told him it was my car and I could do what I wanted with it. So I thought, oh Sharon, you and I could be good friends. So I'm hoping to keep her forever and ever because I officially love that woman. Um, but we had a great day. And then that evening, uh, part of the race weekend, they had a man called David April come in who was a subject of a documentary called Beer Runners, which I highly recommend for those of you who enjoy running. And even if you don't, it's a great documentary. But um, it's about this guy who, which is David, he was going through a divorce and was basically crushed. You know, he just was, you know, you look at the video and he, he's really portrayed as quite lost and pathetic at the moment. And he just at some point decides, I'm going to go out for a run. and And it makes him feel kind of good. And so, he talks to a friend who's an experienced runner and says, hey, can we run together? I could use this support and coaching. And he's running with a friend and they read about a study that says that beer, if you have men, if men have two beers max after running and women have one beer max after running, it does no harm. So that's, that's it. They're not trying to pull out that, oh, beer makes you faster, or beer makes you this, but it does no harm. So what he and his friend did, the running, the guy, they just decided while they were running that they would end their beer at a bar and have, end their run at a bar and have a beer. And it became a thing for them. And so they started inviting more and more runners to participate with them. And it was, that was the enticement of the run. You, yes, you had to put in the effort and go one mile, three miles, 10 miles, whatever it was, but then they would have this wonderful social experience at the end. So the documentary is called Beer Runners, and it was I really enjoyed it, and it's just a a nice insight on the running community and with or without the beer. It's just how people are. Runners take good care of each other, and it's a bonding experience. Runners work hard together, and it's a nice way to bring fitness into your life and also gather some friends in the process and uh, so yeah Beer Runners the documentary was great David actually came in from Philadelphia for the showing and I enjoyed it a lot there was the uh, Huntington Art Council people Dave Berger and his wife Renee who were absolutely extraordinary and just this guy's a tremendous artist think about um, if you were to have a brick column just a you know something that held up an arch, for example, two brick columns. Well, his brick columns are twisty, so they're twisting in the middle of the column. It's absolutely amazing. Dave Barger, I think it's B-A-R-G-E-R, but he's someone worth looking up if you're into into art and construction, etc. But we Parker and I had a really great night, and the race on Sunday did not start until two two twenty. I think that was start time for the race, which was semi-unusual, but what the race director, Mike Thompson, had thought is that if he held the race later in the afternoon, more people would be likely to come out and cheer. You know, Sunday mornings are pretty big for churches, for small towns, and, you know, sometimes people just don't want to get up at 6 a.m., so he was trying to entice the community, and he did a really, really good job. It turns out to be... A very small but mighty race. I believe there was less than 200 participants. But the people that were there were so in it. They were uh, they were so happy to be there and a lot of newcomers. So I can tell you the things that I really uh, I feel strongly about with this race and, and why I believe it's going to be a home run for years to come. Uh, Mike knows what goes into a professional event. And so he had... The quality race timing company that's the people that put the chips on your bib and they gather your starting point your um, split times your finish time they had the announcer Matt which helps me call people's names before they get to the finish line that's spectra sports so they did a great job he had an incredible sound company a professional sound company come out which again I can't do my job without either the timing company or the sound and he had great quality sound it wasn't some little boombox on the side it was big rock the streets of Huntington's Huntington sound that's George Powell audio and he was extraordinary and they had the finish line trusses were beautiful they closed down the street they had law enforcement out there um they the shirts were fantastic they had the regular race shirts they had the volunteer shirts he just he took care of people he had a professional videographer and photographer out there so all of the big deal and elements that make a race um professional at least professional feeling he had it all there and you know whether we had the 200 runners we had or we had 15,000 those were the elements that I truly believe go into a higher end race experience and he had that so um, I like that from the get-go and um, we we were delayed maybe about 10 minutes at the start for there were some last-minute registrants and the timing company needed a few minutes to get their names in, and because it was a small race, why not? Why not delay it um, just a few so everybody can participate? And I looked at some point. Um, I'm just kind of walking around with a microphone, talking to the crowds, you know, getting to know everybody—the mayors there, the superintendents there—and there's a huge group of people with neon yellow t-shirts, and it, they say "Team Ghana," G-A-N-A. And I'm curious, what is that all about? So I happen to walk up to a. Um, grown-up gentleman said, hey, can you tell me about Team Ghana? He said, yes, it's my wife has ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. And um, our son is going to push her through the half marathon. They were loaned a racing chariot. And so her son, Dave, was going to push her for the half marathon. The granddaughter, Belle, wanted to run with them as well. But she is on a cross-country team, and, and the coach didn't want her to go to the distance. So she met them halfway through the race. And uh, so he tells me about Team Ghana. So I made my way through the, running, through the crowd at the start line because uh, Cassie Weikert, that's her name, that's the, the inspiration behind Team Ghana. That's Ghana herself. In fact, Ghana is just the mispronunciation of her oldest grandson. And so when he pronounced Grandma as Ghana, they all stuck with it. But I went back, and she was in her chariot, and what a sweetheart she was. She was so grateful to be part of this event, so proud to be there with her son, pushing her and her family, and um, it was a really special opportunity to meet her. I gave her a hug. We talked a little bit. I was able to tell the crowd, you know, relay her thoughts to them, and everyone was just Very, very excited to have her and her entire family out there joining us. And, you know, that's, I I am so lucky because every weekend I'm hosting a race, I'm given the opportunity to rub elbows with people who, you know, know no boundaries or just motivated to live life, whether they're fighting cancer at the moment or dealing with a family member who's gone through something or, who knows, there's just all of these obstacles people are constantly overcoming, and um, I value that, and and if you've listened to my podcast before, you know that, you know, I rarely look to the elite athlete, it's rarely the, the first finisher that floats my boat, and sure, I'm impressed, and sure, I'm proud and excited about them, but it's the strugglers, it's the gritty people that capture my heart, and Cassie certainly did, oh my gosh, she was amazing, so... We had a really fun time at the start because, again, small, cute community. Everybody was in a really good spirit, a good mood. And, oh, we had a singer. Her name is Audrey McLaughlin, and she was a performer on The Voice. She sang the national anthem, and boy, did she ever sing the national anthem, which I could say is my favorite song based on the way it makes me feel. I love getting to be part of the anthem. And she belted it out, holy mackerel it was it was extraordinary. So wow, Audrey McLaughlin, I'm actually gonna look her up and listen to some of her music, maybe buy something on iTunes. She was fantastic, and she was also a really nice person, and she came out dressed like a cool girl, rocker chick. It was really she was really fun. She was really sweet to my son Parker, which i I certainly appreciated, but um wow, that was another really high end piece of this puzzle making the race a great experience but um, I was able to launch the half marathon so those folks took off and just a few minutes later I launched the half marathon or the 5k and they took off and both were really fun happy celebratory starts and again small but mighty and I say small but you know so many of my races are 20,000 people 12,000 people so a couple hundred is not so huge but for the runner who's running it you know, your experience, your 13.1 miles is the same whether there's thousands of people surrounding you or not. And, um, they they ran through the town, they ran past Juniata College, I know there was a lot of support and a lot of fun on the streets. In fact, our third place winner, this guy, I think his name was Ray. It was Ray or Jay, but I think it was Ray. He's a local runner, and he, um, before he came to the race, he set up his own table Full of water bottles out in front of his house because the course, his house was on the course, and he wanted runners to have an extra opportunity to grab some water. So just nice, right? Just so so nice. So they all took off, and you know, I expect about 14 to 8 minutes, 18 minutes after I say go, we're gonna have at least the first 5K winner come through, and both of the 5K winners. The first uh, first place was a 15 year old. The second place was an 11 year old. Very impressive. And we had these cheerleaders from juniata school, I guess a middle and high school, JV and varsity cheerleaders, little green cheerleading outfits. These girls were adorable. But I had them, they were supposed to be a little further down the road, but I set them up right in, right before the finish line. And so they um, they separated into two parts, two groups on either side of the street. And they did such a good job cheering for our finishers. However, I had them do an extra good job for Parker when he came through. So I said, ladies, my son Parker's out there. Can you guys make it good for him? Maybe tighten up the tunnel? And they did. They all took about 10 giant steps in the middle of the road, and he ran straight through these girls. It was just adorable. And, um, of course, I said some nice things on the microphone, but the girls gave the old, way to go, Parker, way to go, cheer. It was super cute, and he was already red-faced from running, but um, I think he liked it. (laughs) So, where I could have totally embarrassed him, too. He was uh, very appreciative, I think. And then, at some point later in the day, the cheerleaders had asked if they could come have a picture with me under the finish line. I said, absolutely. So I'm posing with the cheerleaders, and I had given my cell phone to Parker to take some pictures for me. And, uh... One, uh, not one. A couple of the cheerleaders said, "Can we have a picture with Parker too?" I said, "Absolutely." So I switched, and we have some shots looking the way the, looking at the way these girls were looking at Parker. Literally, they're staring at them. rosy, with their shoulders clenched up high, just adorable. You know, yes, my son's adorable, but these girls were so cute too. It just was really, it was sweet. It's an experience I've not had in a race before. Getting to enjoy that part. So the cheerleaders were fantastic. All of our finishers were um, were wonderful. They did a, they did a bang up job, and I I, I love the small town feel. the The residents came out in huge support. The mayor, um, golly, I wish I could remember her name, Dee Dee Brown, I think. She was so excited because she had never experienced a race before, and now that she got it. She's willing to throw her weight and that of the city council behind making sure this event not only happens next year but gets the full support of the city council. The superintendent was there. He was super excited. He's hoping we'll add a kids race next year. And um, it was just, it was nice. The medals were really cute and the shirts were great. And what else? Oh, when Cassie Weicker came through the finish line, hey, hey, hey. Nobody had a choice. I used my, my big, scary voice and told everybody, I said, "If you are anywhere in the vicinity of this finish line, you need to get up and make your way over, because Cassie Weikert and her son Dave and her granddaughter Bell's on their way in, and it was a very raucous finish for them. It was the one they deserved. It was the perfect welcome, and it was very exciting. and, you know, n- I don't think there was anyone in, this, in the town who knew what was going on that didn't have chills. It was fantastic. So we had a lot of fun. And I had two hotties come. I had Holly and her husband, Carrie Bretzius, join us. And um, amazingly, Holly did not run off course because apparently that's her shtick. She does as she goes and gets lost on the course. But uh, she's wonderful. And I loved getting to see them. In fact, Parker and I went to dinner with them after, which makes me... oh, You have no idea how much I love getting to spend time with my hotties and get to know them. They're a really fun couple, great runners, and Holly's gritty. Holly, you know, she's got some knee issues, and she shows up and does, not only does a half marathon, but she does it on a hilly course, and, or mountainy course, I could say, and Holly, I know you were probably being extra gritty for me, and I appreciate that. It does not go unnoticed, so... um race was a slam dunk. If you guys are looking for something different, if you're looking for something different than rock and roll or different than Disney or different than whatever, you know, huge thing you've been doing in the past in a big city, this is a wonderful small town race. Something you should definitely consider. There's a half a 5k and a relay. So the relay I imagine would be, you know, six and a half miles-ish per person. But uh, I would love to see you there next year and I anticipate There will be a next year, so Standing Stone Half Marathon. And then on our way home the next day, we had a lot of fun, too. After playing pool again Sunday night and Monday morning, because there's a lot of pool to be played when you have a pool in your room, um, I asked Mike, as he was driving us back, if I could check out the Amish. And I don't know if everybody understands the Amish completely, but it's basically uh based off of Christian religion but they shun modern technology and for real shun modern technology no TVs no computers no cell phones there some of them have some running water but some don't they live by candlelight very simple clothes but I and When I was in Wisconsin with my daughter a year and a half ago, I really wanted to check out the Amish and I didn't get a chance to because here's the thing. If you don't know where the Amish are, you can't find the Amish because they don't make a billboard that says, hey, come check out the Amish. (laughs) They're just these people who live there. Um, But Mike knew where to take us, so it was uh, beautiful rolling hills, beautiful land. And then we stumbled across a horse and buggy and that was amazing. And then, um, hang, hanging from one of the barns was this massive clothesline, and you see the little girl, or the, the dresses, which are squares with arms, there's no fancy details, but then the black Amish people pants. That was it. I don't know why, but I was elated to see the black Amish pants hanging from the clothesline, which probably makes me sound absurd, but I was squealing in the car. I was so excited and um, we stumbled across these little kids, I guess they were walking to or from their one-room schoolhouse, but they had the little matching outfits and the boys were wearing the straw hats and the girls had little bonnets, little white bonnets, oh my gosh, so cute. And they they actually had igloo coolers though to keep their lunch in, so I guess that's some sort of modern product they had. But uh, it was, the land is beautiful, the lifestyle, although I don't think would be cut out for me, um part of it is very enticing just shutting down technology and living simply there's something very interesting about that but uh, it, it it leaves me curious that's for sure but we went uh, the Amish are very famous for their woodworking making cabinets and things like that and baking and so we found there was a home bakery and there's a sign that said bake shop and so we drove down several roads and it was a second house on the right and the little Amish Maybe twelve-year-old boy came out and he had the, he had the funny hair and the hat and he was very sweet and we bought some whoopie pies, um, and a whoopie pie basically seems like two muffin tops with some frosting in between, which is basically an inside-out cupcake I think. But um, I bought one for me and some for my family and we brought them home, and yay, yay for the Amish! I finally got to check out and do have some Amish experience, which was unusually exciting for me and uh, we ended the trip with some more excitement because our original flight out of that tiny little airport at Penn State was delayed which meant we could not make our flight home in Detroit that night and uh, Delta put us up in a hotel and gave us meal vouchers so while I really was hoping to get home that night it was fun because it extended the the adventure for my son and uh, he certainly didn't mind having to miss school and when we got to our hotel guess what was there pool tables. So we were out playing pool again all night and uh, we flew home the next day with little drama, thank goodness. But um, but it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. You know, I, I always say I love my work. I love the people I work for, more importantly. And this, I did not know what to expect with the Standing Stone events. I just didn't know because it was new and I didn't even really know where I was going. But I can tell you from my experience, it was fantastic. So if you're interested in going to a small town, race something rural, um, it's not that the town is rural, but there's a bunch of wonderful rural options outside of it. I would definitely put this on your list of to-dos and um, possibly even plan to go camping. You know, bring a tent and go camping in the mountains. There's these lakes. Oh, it's just really is pretty amazing out there. So um, yeah, I had a lot of fun. And over the week, I have locked down, this is separate, but I have locked down several more Morning Mile sponsorships. So, as of today, I have a brand new program that will be launching soon in the Cayman Islands. So, that will be my, uh, after America, I have Canada, Japan, and now I will have the Cayman Islands as my other international program. So, I'm very excited about that. Many more schools popping up in California. In Florida, in Tennessee, Ohio, we're on a roll here. So uh, walking and running seems to be my shtick. Moving forward, always. So that's it, folks. Thanks for listening to this recap and my nonsense about the goat sex. I hope not to be responsible for any more goat babies or goat sex in the future. That is my pledge to society. And I don't know. Go work out. Strength train. That'll, that'll do me good today, alright? Go make some muscles. And lastly, if you don't already do so, follow me at fitness on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. I have a YouTube channel and uh, as well, morningmile.com. I'd love to help you in any way I can. Join the Hottie Body Fitness Challenge and um, get to work, everybody. Bye!
0: Hi, this is Rudy Novotny, the voice of America's marathons. We all love how much running has benefited every aspect of our lives, so much so that most of us only wish we'd started sooner. Wouldn't it be wonderful to give the opportunity to children of today? Well, you can. The Morning Mile is a before-school walking and running program that gives children a chance to start each day in an active way while enjoying fun, music, and friends. That's every child, every day. It's also supported by a wonderful system of rewards, which keeps students highly motivated and frequently congratulated. Created by our favorite fitness expert, Fitz Kohler, Morning Milers across the country have run over 2 million miles and are having greater success with academics, behavior, and sports because of it. The Morning Mile is free to the child, free to the school, and is inexpensively funded by businesses or generous individuals. Help more kids get moving in the morning by visiting MorningMile.com champion the program at your favorite school or find out more about sponsorship opportunities that's morningmile.com long may you run